all to episode 181 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And a frequent saying at the beginning of these episodes is, it's been a while. Uh, Absolutely has been, um, as usual, not my intention. Um, You know, with everything going on in everybody's world, because, you know, everything that's happened with this COVID-19 pandemic... For the most part, I think most of us have had to alter our plans. Um, I started doing shows again a few months back, and with everything going on, I just stopped. You know, I'd been doing um, some live streaming for my Galaxy of Geeks podcast, and that kind of stopped as well. You know, it's one of those things where uh, when you're when you've got a two man booth per se you know you you got to you got to go when the other person can uh we're hopefully recording this weekend which uh should be cool especially given the fact that the Mandalorian season 2 trailer has just dropped um also you know I've been doing this uh podcast with Mark Striegel uh on Patreon um and I have been doing stuff on his website talkingrock.net. Um I've been informed earlier this week that that site will no longer be continuing. Um and I'm I'm not sure what's going to happen with the show that I've been doing with him on on Patreon to be honest. Um I want to continue doing it. I have a lot of fun talking with Mark and doing the episodes, uh, but, you know, it's up to him um, if he wants to continue doing Patreon or not, then maybe we'll do it. If not, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what he wants to do. Uh, I'm being quite honest. Um, he's always been someone that's wanted to jump at different opportunities and when that happens, from time to time, other things that he's worked on have been pushed aside. Uh, and that's no different with this. And hey, I, I understand, you know, with COVID-19, um, all of us have had to make difficult decisions. I consider Mark a friend and, you know, I hope that we can continue on good terms regardless of what he decides that he wants to do. Um in any event, I don't want to say much more than that uh, because I don't know how things are going to move forward and I don't want to definitely shoot myself in the foot. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm very cognizant of the fact that he helped me get my start in podcasting. Um, he's opened up doors for me and whatnot. And, you know, um, I, I know where I'm at and, and I know that, you know, 10 years ago when I started doing this, shit, 11 years ago, at this point, 11 years ago, uh, years ago this month, when I started podcasting, um, you know, I had a chip on my shoulder for a while thinking, you know, fuck these other guys, you know, they're, when other shows are coming along and doing better than, better than me, but I'm very cognizant, you know, and I'm very relaxed and happy with the people that do join me. Uh, for these episodes and you know thanks for the support i know i want to do these episodes more than i actually do and yeah that's basically it on on that front so thanks for thanks for being loyal and supporting and if you're just joining us for the first time if by chance any you know outlet decides to pick up this interview then hopefully you go back and check out some of the great stuff that we've done. Uh, This episode is with John Bush. It is no secret that I'm a huge fan of his work. Just go back and check out the Storytellers episodes that I've done with him, both focusing on Armored Saint and his era of Anthrax. Um, You could check out the various other episodes. I mean, he did a an episode focusing on Anthrax's Sound of White Noise, where he is heavily involved uh, in that, and um, or heavily featured, or however you want to say it. And I've done other episodes with him over the years. Uh, he's probably, 
if not the person that's been on the show the most, he's probably spoken to me the most amount of time over the years. Um, you know, I, I was very lucky to be able to do those storyteller episodes. Um, when they did come out and, you know, that was seven years of me wanting to do those the ep- storytellers episode with him. Um, I know there are a lot of people that don't appreciate his era of anthrax. Um, it was a, a discussion that I recently had with someone when I brought up the fact that, you know, he touches upon, um, you know, why he didn't go out and do those shows uh, celebrating the 20, 25th anniversary of Sound of White Noise. Um, cause he, we did talk about that and that's something that is addressed in this episode. Uh, when I brought it up, you know, someone said to me, well, no one cares. I, I don't think that's the case at all because I think there's a lot of people that are, that really love his era of the band. All right. So there are people that love all eras of the band. There are people that love his era more than any other. And there are others that maybe love Joey's era more, but still appreciate what he's done. And obviously there are people that are like, oh, Joey's my guy, fuck anybody else type deal. And you've even got people that say that about Fistful of Metal, but, and Neil Turbin. But, you know, that that is what it is. Um, I think, and if they, if he were to have done something, it would have had to have been a limited engagement. Let's be honest, folks. Um, metal, hard rock, and in 2020, uh, doesn't have the same, you know, uh, staying power that it did 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago and beyond. Um, the landscape has shifted. The internet has affected that a lot. Uh, and now COVID has affected every aspect of the music industry a lot um so i think by talking to john and the next episode after this it's going to be me talking to joey vera who i got to speak to for for close to two hours um yeah i i think that they're very cognizant of where they are as a band and i think john if you listen to this interview he's very he recognizes his importance within the the grand scheme of things when it comes to anthrax and um i think that again had he have gone out and done selective shows doing uh, material from his era of the band had it have been like festivals in europe had it have been you know four or five shows in the states i think you know it would have done great now to go out and do you know, a year's worth of shows or a few months' worth of shows, I don't think that that would work at all. But not because it's him. I think in the grand scheme of things, for a lot of metal bands, that's just how it is. You know, people were surprised a few years back when Chuck Billy, you know, started talking about the fact that when he was coming off the road, he was working for a a trucking company. I've talked to other artists who tell me, you know, I'm a rep of you know, for such and such a company and I go out and I do clinics and I do, you know, and I sell guitars or I sell strings to people, you know, I'm, I'm this company's rep. Uh, there are other people that are booking agents, you know, uh, people have to hustle, make, make ends meet. And it's no, it's no surprise to anyone. If you really are a fan of John Bush, you know that he and his wife have a company that does voiceover work. So, you know, this is at least what it seems to me, Armored Saint in this case, Anthrax, these are all passion projects for for John Bush to be involved in. Um, sure, it's what everyone knows him from, but it's probably not his main form of income in 2020. So um, I will say this. I think punching the sky is probably... And I know a lot of people won't agree with this. Along with Code Orange's Underneath, Punching the Sky and the Code Orange album 
are by far the two albums that I love the most that have come out this year. Just because I, I play them a lot since I since I got the Armored Saint album. Unless I was trying to check out something new, it's the only thing I've listened to. Um, it's just that good. I think that the band, and I jumped on board on Symbol of Salvation due to my age. Uh, I knew who they were. But that's the album, you know, with the videos on MTV and so on and so forth. That's the album that really got me. I remember driving to what used to be the Chester Flea Market in Chester, New Jersey, just to to buy that album specifically because there was a, a music vendor there and I knew it was cheaper than going to the local, you know, uh, record store. Um, I specifically drove out there and, and purchased it on CD and... That, to me, I've always said it, is one of the albums that still make me say that, no, the 90s did not suck for metal. You're, you just haven't searched out any good albums, and that's the perfect example. Uh, that album is great, top to bottom, start to finish. And I think with each album, and, all right, so going back and checking out everything since their inception... No two Armored State albums have been the same. Yes, the voice is, uh, is, very, is very identifiable. Um, you know that it's John Bush. Um, but over the years, the band has really developed the rhythm section. The guitarists, you know, sort of finding themselves again on Symbol of Salvation with the loss of, of Dave Pritchard. And, you know, going from there, I think... If you take Symbol of Salvation going forward, there have been bigger leaps between each album. Um, Punching the Sky will not disappoint anyone who is a fan of this band. It is it is so fucking good. I can't stress that enough. That's my opinion. I, I mean, obviously, people can disagree with me, but this is the way that I feel. It is one of the best albums to come out this year. There are so many things that take place on this album that are unexpected that I truly did not, uh, was not expecting. A lot of moments where I started listening to this album and it was like, holy shit, where did that come from? You know, it, the choruses were unexpected. Some of the solos were unexpected. Um, just, how some of the songs are structured are unexpected. It's just great throughout. It just, and I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it and talking about it. It just elicits a lot of emotion, at least to me. Maybe I'm just a mark for the band, um, and that's why, but, you know, they definitely form part of the, um, part, part, part of the fabric of, my life as a fan of music. You know, we all have a soundtrack to our life, albums that we turn to during certain occasions, you know, to elicit different types of feelings. And to me, Armored Saint has has done that for me. So, you know, I I honestly feel that this is a continuation of that. So, anyway... I've blabbed for enough. What we're going to do is is we're going to get into um, end of the attention span, which I'm sure at this point people have heard. Uh, and then we're going to jump on into the interview, and we're going to end the interview with a track that, um, that John suggested. Uh, these are sound samples, and I suggest that you pre-order the album um, or pick it up when it does come out, stream it, do whatever, support the bands that you love, go out, and if you really enjoy their music, you know, buy the music, you know, I know I just said stream it, but if you can, you know, given the times, if you can purchase the album, pick it up, physically, digitally, whatever, whatever works for you, uh, but it, if you're a fan of the band, this will definitely be worth your while, I think, anyway, Let's get into a little Armored Saint, and that will be followed by my interview with John Bush. 
those lines. So, like, I mean, I'd say that's a simplified version of of songwriting. Um, now, uh, what you do with that is is uh, build on it. You know, for instance, you know, like we have some intros uh, with different instruments. Hence, you know, the Giants intro. Hence, the Fret intro. Um, you know, and um, and then we've incorporated some other instruments. And um, sometimes that will open up a door to say, oh, we can try this on this bridge so we can extend it. And, um, you know, I think that all in all, it's funny because these songs are less, uh, they're shorter than the songs that were on When Ends Down, or at least a couple of them, like When Ends Down have those two, two songs that were actually almost eight minutes long. And right. uh, other than Giants was just under seven. Um, that's the longest song. So they are actually more concise and more um, to the point. But I don't know, maybe it, because there's a lot of arrangement and there's a lot of instrumentation and there's certainly a lot of vocals and background, perhaps it, the songs seem more intricate, but they may not be when it comes right down to it. <laughs> right. But as a listener, but as a listener, if you hear that, that's maybe what your ear is telling you. And it could be just with, because there, there's more going on inside the songs, but I don't think the arrangements are that, um, detailed really you know what i was kind of referring to and you brought up a, a lot of cool points there because songs like uh lone wolf kind of play into what you're saying where they really sound it sounds really intricate with like the the bass groove and the and the different like guitar parts going on um it it really feels like like a throwback type of a thing to like a, a 70s feel type song where, you know, both guitars didn't have to play the same thing. You know, there's really something going on in, in each ear. So it it gives you that intricate feel. And um, standing on the edge of Giants, I think that there's, you know, the the, the beginning. F first of all, you know, it, it reminds me of something like... Um, um, Shit, now I'm drawing a blank. A Led Zeppelin song where it has like um, uh, a Hammond intro. Although it isn't a Hammond, but it it gives me that same kind of like um, hair, right, you know, right. standing on the edge of my, uh, you know, goosebumps. That's what I'm trying to get at. Um, yeah, I don't know what Zeppelin song you're referring to, but I, I can think of it. I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's like um, in the in the light. In the light. There you go. Yes. In the light. Yeah, that's funny. That's a great intro too. Yeah. So well, you know you, when you have a, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say so it like kind of like gets you revved up to like <laughs> wait for the song to come in, and then the way that the song comes in is really not at least for me it wasn't what I expected, and then by the time you get to the bridge and then the chorus, it's like it's like you've been on a winding road. You know, there's like so many different parts to it that. Although you're saying maybe it isn't as you know intricate as other stuff, there's just so many different things going on within that song specifically that it seems like. So does it lose? Does it lose you as a listener? No, in your not, opinion, not oh. at all. It's it's to oh, okay. me it it reminds me a lot of like driving on a windy road where you know you're taking in the scenery and every turn is something a little bit different, but you're enjoying it as you go on. It's funny too because we're um, we're trying to finish the video for Giants. And um, we're dealing with the director who's in Romania, and there's <laughs> there's a little bit of a language barrier and time difference yeah. issue, and and it didn't come out the way we we wanted it to, and and we're trying to go back and go, you got to do this, and and what we're trying to do is just have put in because we we didn't have the budget that we had for our first video, and um, so we're just trying to and we're trying to get it done by the time the single is released, which is next next week, so we're feeling this pressure, and. Um, we we're just trying to tell them to put in this more scenery because that song is just so epic feeling. And it has yeah. this, like, you know, you could put a mountain, like this majestic <laughs> mountain. And with that, that, with that music, it'll be enough, you know, yeah. after the whole yeah. song, of course. But, yeah. um, so we keep telling him like, dude, do that. And like, there's a scene where he, I'm revealing a lot of information to you. It just happens to be timing here, but like he has these railroad tracks and we're like, no, no, it's a track. <laughs> We have a song called Last Train Home right. with a video, and we just we can't go back to those trains. Like, get rid of the train. So, um, anyway, it's pretty funny. But, like, my, my point is, is that, yes, you're saying scenery and, like, whiny road, and you're looking around, and it does create that kind of feeling, and hence, it will be good for the video if we have that, and that's what we're trying to get to. But, 
yeah. you know, a lot of it is, um, you know, Armand saying we've come such a long way in our in our in our writing, you know, and um, uh, we we always wanted to be a band that was so much more. Um, and it's you know, it's funny. March of the Saint was kind of like the standard kind of rock, heavy metal record. Right. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's some great songs. You know, March, Can You, Madhouse. Uh, you know, I love Take a Turn, you know, Glory Hunter, whatever. But yeah, it was it was, it was was right after March when we started working on Delirious, and we actually had some of the songs for Delirious. Um, but it was that time when we were like, we got to do more because we were just bursting to do more. And then that's when we, we had songs like Aftermath and In the Hole and um stuff like over the edge which is you know a little bit over to the left and um you know nervous man and so it, it was then that we it was probably more rebellion to the rebel uh, to the to the record company and also to what you know this kind of standard rock song thing that we did on march right again not taking anything away from it i love it for what it is but i know our, our theory on delirious was we want to do we want to do more and we did. And then that kind of just, that, that's that everything going. And um, by the time we come to here, punching the sky, we're doing so much more. And we used to be, even myself as a singer, used to be like, can I do it live? Can we reproduce it live? And that was, just a, that was the thing that was kind of like the, the stop sign as to what we could do on a record early on. And, you know, I just, we just don't care about that anymore. We haven't for a <laughs> while. And like, I, I mean, it's like the record is immortal. The record is, is the thing that will live on once we're all dead. And so, like, don't worry. You don't put those limitations on the record. You know, let the record do what it can do. And then when you play live, you'll figure it out a way, you know, adjust the way, sing it, you know, maybe have a recording of, a, of the pipes or, you know, I don't, or, you know, who knows, maybe find somebody who can do it. I don't know. I mean, well, I mean that's probably unlikely, but um, for a tour or something, you know. Sure. But, you know, it, it's about about making the record feel real broad, and um, and that's what we are looking to do. And and you know, I think that it's just it, it just pushes it pushes the songwriting, it pushes the depth of the record. Um, it, it makes it more interesting, quite frankly. So. Yeah, and that's I think a credit to you guys that you guys have never tried to do a, a Can You Deliver two or, or Rain of Fire two, where other bands that have been around as long as you guys, you know, they. New album comes out. Okay, so you have one song that sounds like that one big hit, and everything else is just kind of there. Uh, I think, it, you know, this album is really a testament to everything that you just explained because there's definite Armored Saint DNA in all of these tracks. You know, there's different things that you can pick up from along the way, but it isn't, as you're saying, it's not a straight ahead. Um, you know, you don't have a Can You Deliver? You don't have a Reign of Fire. These songs really kind of stand on their own merit. They're, you know, they definitely show like a, a definite a maturity over the years of knowing how to kind of, you know, bring together all these different pieces of things that you guys have done over the years. I, I wouldn't even know how to write a Can You Deliver to, you know, I wouldn't even <laughs> right. know how to write a Rain of Fire to. So I think that's a really, that's a dangerous uh, road to go down. And believe me, I agree. A lot of people do that. Everybody, it's funny when we look back and go, let's get retro. We're not really looking at ourselves. We're actually looking at all the 70s bands that inspired us and use that as retro. I don't want to make a record that sounds like it came out in 1977 because that's not possible. But right. you can use these. You can use these references of what you, you know the, your inspi inspiration is of your influences. You can look back on your own records. I mean, there's definitely just end of the attention span. It has this kind of somebody said it sounds like something from Raising Fear. Well, it doesn't really sound like it's from Raising Fear, but I hear what they're saying, and it has that like element to it. And then it also sounds very very modern 2020. But yeah. Um, you know, again, you can look back and you should look back on not only what you've done, but what others have done, but you can't try to reproduce it. And that's just a, that's a kiss of death, I think. And when a lot of bands do that and bands do and, you know, bands play. Look, I've said this. And again, maybe I'll get some shit for it, but I'll, I'm just being honest. Metal is amazing, but they can be in some weird way safe. Like people mm -hmm. sometimes play it safe because they think this is what the fans want. This is the riffs. This is so like they kind of just look back and go, this is, we're just going to keep doing the formula. And to me, that's conservative. Like 
that's anti-metal. Like, yeah, it, absolutely. Like, metal, then you're putting <laughs> these limitations as like, this is what we can do. This is our style. That's it. Well, no, I don't want to do that. And I just can't. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I will be, I'll feel like deprived if I did that. Now, that, that being said, we're not going to like become Pink Floyd or, right. you know, just, <laughs> that's not what it is either. And and we didn't do that. But, you know, there, even by adding a keyboard into the middle of uh, Lone Wolf that Dizzy Reed played, it just changes colors ever so slightly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be some prominent thing. Um, by by adding that, you know, it just, you know, it goes from like gray to a little silver or, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I don't know when I'm using some goofy reference, but it just is a way <laughs> to just change colors ever so slightly yeah. to make it just more interesting. And I think that's the kind of stuff that we really are willing to do. Add a vocal part there that's, uh, you know, a little bit of a harmony and you know, instead of a single voice or whatever, and then it just changes. It just changes, like I said, the color a little bit. And those are the things that I, I'm hoping it keeps uh, listeners interested. And I know for me as a as a listener as well that I it makes me interested. You know, and um, you, you know, again, you know, you could have the scathing aspect of the band, and you know, the groove is really pivotal to Armin Saint because we mm-hmm. have this great rhythm section that you know is able to just groove, but. And we and that's a really important part of our style, um, and and that should be prominent. So you know, it's using all those things and just kind of adding to it. Uh, certainly not taking anything away. So. Right. When When Hands Down came out, both you and Joey mentioned kind of the same thing to me that you guys felt that on that album, Gonzo really stepped up to the plate and took things to another level. Do you feel that? Any one member of the band, or maybe the band as a whole, did that with this album? You know, everybody, it, it's funny, because a lot of the songs, um, if they weren't written by Joey, got, uh, Phil actually had a, uh, some cool contributions on this record, even had a couple lyrical ideas that I utilized. Um, and and um Actually, Jeff didn't write anything on this record, which is a little rare, uh, but, you know, he just didn't, and he was supportive of what we were doing. Once that, regardless of how much the contributions are are made in the actual writing, because sometimes Joey will take the ideas anyway, and he'll kind of just arrange them, so it's a little bit more song-oriented. Once you get in the studio and everybody does their trip, um, uh, they're contribution is their thing and it's really uh, vital that it sounds like their thing and yeah. and it does you know it just does so that's i think really important um for for all these members in the band to feel that way and feel that uh that the, what they're doing is is adding and you know like i said aiding to what what uh what we want them to do and that is be uh, such a, a part big part of the of the style of the band and also, um, just a big part of of their trip and letting that come forward and letting that letting that be seen, um, you know. So, um, you know, it you don't always hear it on you know this was written by this person, um, but you know that when whenever somebody's part is being played on the song in the record it has their sound to it. And I right. think that's really key. You know, I think that's the important part of, of Armored Saint and also this band is to make your contributions known. And um, so did anyone step up in particular? I don't know, but I do think that like whenever, whenever it was time for like Phil to play a guitar part or Jeff, cause you know, he's a really awesome player. You know, it was, it, you heard it, you felt it and you knew the contribution. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think that the soloing uh, really does stand out on this album. It's it's a, you know, there's so many people that can just shred away, but the, the soloing is really tasteful in this, it, to the point where it adds a lot of feel to two songs, like going back to Standing on the Shoulder of Giants. When that solo comes in, again, it's another turn in the road, and it's just like some, another great component. Uh, to it, there's um, second to last song on on the album. Um, Unfair. 
Yeah, unfair. Okay, unfair is kind of the same thing. The solo towards the end is something that, to me, kind of catches me off guard because it's it's short, it's it's straight and to the point, but it's almost like just the feel of it just adds like another, like, wave of emotion to the song uh where you know given another circumstance another player uh would have shredded the shit out of that and then it just wouldn't have kind of felt the same <laughs> well you know the guitar players insane are actually really talented and um probably a little underrated you know they both do things differently very well um phil is kind of like a play off the cuff you know from the hip type guitar soloist where he just kind of, you know, he he may not play something ever the same twice, um, right. but that's just the way he is. Um, Jeff is like a very solid, you know, steady uh, guitar player that you can really, you know, you give him something, you know, he's going to be able to figure it out real fast and and um, and just give it uh, just some stability. So um, they're very different in the way they play. You know, obviously Dave was different in, in his own way, where he was, you know, very Euro influenced. Um, and um kind of more technical um but you know it's it, a lot of it still just comes down to having a, a lot of feel and soul and ta- being tasteful you know i think that's it you know what these guys are not none of them were probably the, the most technically skilled you know Ingve type of players they're all so much more of it is just about feel and um yeah and and that goes along with the with the band because i'm that same way as a singer i'm like really i'm just like a bluesy you know uh you know i ra- i i want to be in an r&b band but i'm a, in a metal band right <laughs> kind of like <laughs> my style is you know um joey and gonzo they're just an awesome grooving combination of a rhythm section i mean back in the day Jeff, I mean, uh, Dave, when it was the, when we were a four piece, this is during that particular era, we would go in the uh, rehearsal studio and then Joey and Gonzo would just start grooving on something just to kind of warm up. And then mm-hmm. Dave would start shredding over it for like five minutes. And it was like they, they could have probably made like a jazz fusion record and put <laughs> it out and it would have been really cool. And they would do that all the time. Um, and then I'd have to go, okay, let's start rehearsal because I felt like maybe the mood, like I'm not participating here. Um, but like, I would always marvel at how cool it was. And it's just, um, you know, they're just a real talented, um, rhythm section, Joey and Gonzo. So, um, you know, you do what you do and you do it to the best of your ability. Um, you push yourself, you know, as a singer, musician, you know, try to keep growing, um, and hone in on what you do well. And I don't know. You know, it's it's music. I mean, it should you should always be progressing and sure. Um, you know, especially when it comes to writing and songs and and tackling other topics that you know is not taboo and um, I don't know whatever. Um, you know, <laughs> always have always have fun with it. You know, it's it's when the days when when making a record is is more of something you're doing for the from the standpoint of like putting a product out so you can do a tour and. And, um, you know, maybe make a little publishing money or uh, cash on the record and, and then you can go on tour and sell some merchandise. Like those are, those are, we've never been big enough band for us to really do that anyway. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's just a fact. And so for us, it's, it really is more about like the love of it. And then, you know, yeah, you want to make a little money here and there, but you know, the, the love of it and the, and leaving the, the legacy behind of, of, of the catalog of music, I think that's always been the primary goal. Okay. Um, last time that we spoke, back in 2017, you had mentioned that you were looking into the possibility of going out and doing shows, uh, performing songs from the era of Anthrax that you were part of the band. Um, can you discuss why that never materialized? Um, probably the simple reason is we, we didn't get enough like response and maybe made it uh, the, 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 um, offers weren't, you know, good enough to like go through the process of, um, you know, forming a band and, and doing it quite honestly. Right. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't pushing it super hard. Um, I kind of put it in the hands of my agent and, 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 I said, you know, sniff around and, and maybe he did and maybe it wasn't enough and maybe the timing wasn't right. So 
Um, it's a lot about timing as it always is in life with everything. Um, so, um, you know, one day perhaps, um, uh, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, it's funny. I'm a leader and yet I'm not a good leader. It's, I'm like a, um, I'm, I have the lead singer of certain trades, but then I, I, I don't, when it comes to being a complete leader. And so like if a band had to be put together and all that, that, that seems a little daunting to me. And, um, and I'd have to kind of do that on that level. So maybe it's something I'm a little bit apprehensive and reluctant to do. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I think if, if I finally felt the uh, uh, massive drive to, I have to do this, um, I'm sure I could help put it together. Um, maybe with somebody like somebody else's help. <laughs> so, right. Um, but you know, one day, um, perhaps, you know, uh, pursue that again or, or, uh, open up the idea to it. Um, I do, you know, dig those songs. I actually, it wasn't that long ago that I was actually singing to some of those records, mainly because um, the Saint record was done and I wasn't ready to start singing Armored Saint songs yet. Right. So um, I was actually just kind of going through my whole catalog of music and I'll just pull out different artists. And then I, for a few days I was singing to those songs because I hadn't for a long time. So it was just mm-hmm. a really, it was just really a way to just kind of keep my voice in shape, so to speak. Right. And, um, and it was fun singing to them, you know, because, you know, it's, it, they're a little demanding to sing to because they're aggressive. And, um, and at the same time, I hadn't sang to a lot of those songs. I mean, some I did because I did a couple of things with the Metal Legion shows that I did yeah. where we played only in Luca one more, but like I hadn't sang any deep tracks or anything like that. So it was fun. And, um, and it kind of did what I wanted it to do, which was to, kind of, like I said, kind of just stay in shape, like, you know, get ready to run and, or, you know, work out. It's the same thing with your voice. It's just another workout, if you will. So, um, yeah, you know, there's, there's some really cool material there that, um, that, you know, sometimes it kind of, it, it falls behind in the big world of anthrax and I, I get it and I understand it, you know, I don't really take it too personal. It's, but, you know, I do think that, when people look back and they're like, um, they look back and say, Oh, well, there actually is some really great songs there. You know, I don't know about, and I wouldn't say all of them are flawless by any means, but, um, you know, there's certainly some, some great moments. Yeah, absolutely. I think every, every one of those albums, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm part of the people that, uh, prefer that era of the band. No disrespect to joy. I love everything that they've done, but, Again, when we spoke years ago, there's just something about the emotional connection, the point in time in my life when those albums came out, and they really spoke and still speak to me in, in a lot of ways. So, um, so yeah. So, um, And that's a lot of life when it comes to music, and that's why yeah. everyone loves the 80s still, because they go back and go, I was here growing up and going yeah. to shows, and I was 22, and, uh, you know, and I get it. You know, I feel the same way. And, in the seventies, somebody, I just wrote an article on Judas Priest and, uh, for their 50th anniversary. And I was talking about the one show I went to at the Santa Monica Civic on Leash in the East tour. And it was like, you know, forever ingrained as one of the best moments of my life when it comes to music and concerts and hard rock. So, um, you know, I, I understand. So it, it, it is timing again, back to that. Well, speaking of timing, the 30th anniversary of Sound of White Noise is in three years. So, I mean, they have been doing the uh, 30th anniversary releases for every album leading up to this. I mean, do you think that they would want to uh, do something with you to, to help celebrate the 30th anniversary of your era of the band? You know, who knows? You know, Scott has said a couple things, but, you know, like I always, what I've been saying in some interviews regarding that is really, it would be something that I think that would have to get the blessing of Joey Belladonna. You know, I wouldn't want Joey to feel like, oh, I'm getting pushed out again of this situation or, right. you know, I, I'm not included because it could be, because it could be an inclusion thing. Um, so um, if, if there's a way to do it where, you know, it's, he, he feels comfortable and actually supportive or like, you know, maybe it's a tour with, with everybody. And even Scott said something about like, uh, I read one article that he said, I was like, well, I'm surprised that he said it, uh, um, you know, having Neil Turbin do, you know, you know, it would be, it's a great idea. 
and right. it would be fun. But I mean, again, it, you know, you, I think, and I'm, I'm speaking for them, like you want right. him to feel good about it because that's, that's not a, it would be a crappy feeling to feel that way. And, yeah. Um, so, and it, it, you know, if it happened, it would be cool if it was like a handful of things. I don't think you want to go out and do like some three months, six month run or something. Right. Um, make it special or something like that. And that would be limited. I, in my opinion, but you know, I don't know, it, you know, who knows what could happen. And, um, it, you know, I, I, the, the feelings that I have are different than they were five years ago. Maybe those guys and, um, you know, me and Charlie didn't speak for a while and, and we, we have now, and I'm glad because I like Charlie so much as a person and, and, right. um, you know, as a, as a musician, especially, and, um, you know, it's, it was, it was, it sucked and it was weird, you know, but everything is much better now. So you know, that's, that's just good on a personal level, you know, beyond all the music stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, on a side note there, if you do add Neil Turbin, what verses of uh ball of confusion does he get to sing? <laughs> well, I don't know. That song didn't really like light the fire that we maybe hoped it would. I still dig it. I'm a huge temptation fan and, uh, you know, all the different cool voices and the, the, the way they utilize them is really great. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not thinking about a set list today. <laughs> um, why did you guys decide to release Punching the Sky now and not wait until the whole pandemic cleared up? Well, who knows when it will, right? Yeah. Uh, for starters, quite frankly. And um, the record is, it was it was done. It was being ma- mixed and then mastered. And, um, you know, certainly a few people have asked me that and there's a, and there's an argument or, or a legitimate thought behind uh, holding it. <clears throat> but, you know, the reality is, um, it's not like, you know, and I'm always, uh, pretty honest with my level of fame in the band. <laughs> maybe people, maybe people don't like to hear it, but I'm just, um, brutally honest most of the time with myself um it's like a weird self-loathing david larry david kind of thing perhaps <laughs> I don't know. but um but um you know it's not like we we will coincide this with our world tour that is you know playing arenas or something you right. know, and then it all all has to mesh that's just not the scenario so for Right now, to me, with with no shows happening, and that's you know, for the most part internationally, which is really crazy, um, people need music, I think, more than ever. So why hold off the record for you know just give it to them and you know let people hear music and because they can do that, they can buy the record and listen to the record, put it on headphones, get into all the aesthetics, and let it be part of their life. And hey, worst scenario, I mean, actually, best case scenario is. This lifts in time here shortly, maybe like tomorrow. I doubt it. Um, <laughs> but then you go and do some gigs, and then people like know the record really well. So what's yeah. the worst about that? That's great, you know. So um, no, I never wanted to. It was something that was kind of talked about. I don't mm-hmm. even know what the label did. I don't think the label did because the label wants to, you know, they can't. They need to keep making music and, and keep selling records because that's their business, of course. Right. So. Um, I don't think they were ever in the mindset of, of holding it off, but um, you know, in the band, we kind of discussed it, but I, I never really wanted to, to me, it was like, yeah, put it out. I let people, it's our record, you know, let them buy it, let them, well, hopefully buy it, <laughs> but let either way, let them listen to it. And um, you know, like I said, if we, if everything goes, well, who knows what's going to happen, but if, you know, at the end of the day, people know the record. They're just going to know it. And and then at that point, if for some reason people haven't got, got around to it, and then you do uh, some dates and, you know, whatever, you put it, you could sell it at the shows, and then they could get it there, too. And it's, you know, it, it could still, they could always get it. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, I know I need music. I'm listening to music. There's not shows. It's a drag. I'm I'm bummed as a as a performer as well as a as a fan because you know it's we love going to shows and this is just really lame and unfortunately you know i mean concerts or live events where a big group of people that might be like the last thing that happens which right is really really lame and scary and and unfortunate so um you know i don't know i mean i've been watching 
I'm a big sports fan and I'm watching the baseball games and basketball games and there's nobody there and it's very strange, but, um, you know, they're playing and it's cool. And, you know, at least they're still playing. And, um, it's probably pretty humbling actually for all those professional athletes who are such, uh, or, or have such adoring fans and, um, you know, they're playing to no one. It's, I'm sure that's weird for them. And probably, like I said, somewhat humbling, but it's good. It's good for them. Yeah. Well, I, I guess it's it would be like you guys playing an empty hall, you know, or and Well we are. We're gonna play that. We're gonna do the live okay. stream on October tenth and and um and that's gonna be it's probably gonna be a little peculiar, you know. I mean uh but it is what it is. This is what people are trying to do and, and mm-hmm. doing and and just to give something to fans that they can watch and they can listen and they can feel like they're part of some performance and we're gonna do some cool things, we're gonna play some new songs and we're gonna play some deeper tracks and um, play the cameras for the most part, which is going to be weird, like a rehearsal or like making a video, but not really. And but we'll rock it up. It'll be fun. Cool. Where can people go to keep up with what you guys have going on that live stream or or anything else? Well, the live stream. Let me make sure I tell you what it is. You know, just in case people don't know, it's armoredsaint.veeps. V e e p s. Excuse okay. me. V e e p s. dot com. That's where you can get the tickets. And um, again, you can watch it from anywhere in the world, of course. And um, as long as you have, I guess, uh, internet. And um, and uh, you can. There's some bundles associated. You can just get the ticket for the show if you want. I think it's ten bucks. Or you can get like the record and the ticket, or the record T-shirt from the show and the ticket. So there's cool little bundles that the label put together, which is, I, I thought was really imaginative. And um, and, um, you know, the website, we just kind of retooled it now, the armorsaint.com and, and try to, you know, update it and make it a little bit cooler and hipper. So that's another place. Um, I'm not on social media myself. I refrain, uh, for <laughs> personal choices. Right. Um, but Joe, but Joey has Instagram and he's pretty active with it. And, yeah. and, and on behalf of the band, which is, which is great because the band does need to have it. Of course, I'm, I just choose not to personally, but right. of course the band needs to have a presence, but um, you know, I think we stay up on stuff and, um, you know, we're not doing a whole lot other than this gig now and the rec, of course the record is coming out and their vid, the video and, and now we're making this other video that hopefully we're going to get done here soon. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're, we're staying up on, on it, keeping people informed of the band and, and what we're doing. And, um, we're excited. We love our record and we think it's really cool and we're real proud of it. So. Um, and I look forward to the day when we can play some songs live for, for people, for actual human beings in the crowd. So. Awesome. Um, is there one song that you want me to end the interview with? One specific song off the album? Uh, well, it's, the next single is going to be Missile the Gun. Okay. Um, that is going to be a video. We're going to make another video for that, too. That's a really... That's a, that's kind of like a you know a, a full throttle armored saint kind of you know hit you over the head kind of song, um, not as adventurous per se as some of the other songs that maybe are a little bit more have a little more depth although it still has a lot going on but it is the arrangement is pretty simple and straightforward but has some really cool lyrics kind of you know subliminally kind of talks a little bit about you know the the divisiveness that's going on in not only the U.S., but the world and how my kind of take on it is like, really don't think we're all that different. You know, I think for the most part, we probably want the same thing. It's just about how we go about it. And, you know, I, I, there's a couple different verses and one of them, I'm just basically, or, or it's the B section of the song, but I kind of just allude to saying, Hey, can't, you know, we, it can it kind of be as simple as like, you know, like a couple of guys watching a game or football game or whatever and having a beer and having a disagreement and even maybe getting into a little fisticuffs and then <laughs> being able to go, all right, that's done. You know, come on over and let's have another beer together. Like, right. can it be that simple? Can't we just like disagree to that level or does it have to really be to this point of hostility that is, is being raised? And, um, you know, it kind of leans into the hostilities between nations and, you know, threatening mm-hmm. people with you know, nuclear weapons, you know, like really, is that, do we really want to like this? Does, does a, 
I don't think that the majority of human beings really want that. I think what well, most of us, um, you know, I, I simplify it by just saying, I think most people want like a good job, you know, a nice family, you know, has a little entertainment. Guys want to get laid. So to some <laughs> women, of course, you know, and have a nice meal. And then, you know, we, at this point in life, we strive for like a good night's sleep. Like right. let's not get too convoluted about everything. It's like, <laughs> This, right. this is what we really need, you know, and that's kind of the over, uh, the, the, the kind of like the basic premise of the song, it, you know, like, and I think it's, 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 I, I had to, I had to touch it because I look around and I, it's impossible for me not to say it, but I also, you know, I have a lot of friends in various worlds and, and some of them are on the left, some of them are on the right. And believe it or not, I think a lot of them have their own opinions that I agree with. Yeah. So, like, it's not as simple as going, you guys are a bunch of idiots, you're all right. No, you guys are a bunch of, you know, you're all right, and you're a bunch of idiots. Like, come on, really? Come on. So, um, and so it's important for me to, like, listen to all my friends and people I know, and if they have different opinions than I, than I do, I still want to listen, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a problem, which I really think is a problem going on in society as a whole anyway. People, too many people spewing. Too many people typing, too many people throwing their agenda out, too, too few of people actually stepping back and listening. And, you know, right. and, um, you know, why don't we try that for a change? And then, then maybe we can, like, find a, a lot of uh, parallel feelings and thoughts. And it's like, oh, eh, all right. You like the Yankees. I like the Red Sox. Fuck you. Fuck you. All right, cool. <laughs> have a beer. All right, we're done. Yeah, who's the best player? Jeter. You know, uh, so, you know. Big poppy. Okay, we're not, we don't agree. Let's move on. You know what I mean? I don't know. He's a lot of sports metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go, a small little sound sample of Missile the Gun off of Punching the Sky, which comes out on October 23rd. Uh, they will be doing that live stream on the 9th, if I remember correctly. And uh, again, the album sounds great. And uh, there's a bunch of different surprises on it, a uh, bunch of different guest appearances. I mean, nothing... Nothing dramatic. Uh, you know, Dizzy Reed from Guns N' Roses contributes a little bit to this album. He plays on this song called Lone Wolf. Um, each track sounds totally different from one another, so that that makes it so cool, uh, at least to me. And uh, I forgot to mention, the beginning is kind of disjointed uh, because my recording software decided that it wasn't going to cooperate right as the interview started, so... Unfortunately, I picked things up in the middle of a discussion of of the um, the first track, "Standing on the uh, Shoulders of Giants." Uh, that song, the video premieres today, which is something that he talked about during the the interview. I'm recording this on September 16th. Um, hopefully, I get this out today, and you guys can enjoy this. In any event, I want to thank John for coming on once again. want to thank Nikki Law over at Metal Blades for making this happen. And I want to thank you guys for listening. And we're going we're gonna to wrap things up with an old track by Armored Saint. And, um, you know, again, I, I, I love a lot of what they have released and um yeah uh we're we're going to talk about the track a burning question um uh, during the episode with Joey Vera which hopefully will be coming up next week for you guys and um 
Yeah, well, let's leave it with that track, Burning Question, coming off of Symbol of Salvation. And I just want to say thanks for listening to the episode. Thanks for hanging in there with me, and hope you're all safe. And uh, that's pretty much it. See ya! Listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 